answer by Fix. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, one of my best friends, John Quinn, will hop on to talk Knicks, the offseason, NBA draft, NBA finals, and where some of the big free agents will land. Basically, everything that's going to go on over these the next month or two of the NBA season. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Tonight is the last episode of the season, but don't worry. We'll be back and better than ever in, in October to kick off the upcoming NBA season and NCAA season. In the meantime, we'll be uploading shorts to the Review and Preview YouTube channel on big news that's going on, my mock draft, everything uh, and everything in between. Also follow at the three and D on Twitter to stay updated with breaking news around the leagues and news on episodes and uploads. So I hope everybody's doing well, enjoying these NBA finals. So much going on NBA draft coming soon. The uh, college basketball world is going crazy with the transfer portal right now. It's pretty exciting. And, you know, we'll jump right into first news on the transfer portal kevin o'banner um the oral roberts star forward uh narrowed down his his finalist uh to four schools of where he's intending on transferring to uh as you all remember oral roberts making that deep run in the tournament this year he was their star power forward max Smith was their star guard um but O'Banner was the, really their star power forward. Averaged close to 20 and 10 this season for Oral Roberts. Has put up ridiculous numbers in all three years he's there. And he's narrowed it down to four schools. He narrowed it down to 10 schools over the weekend. But about an hour ago, it was reported that he trimmed that down to four schools. And those four schools are Illinois, Alabama, Arkansas, and Texas Tech are now his four finalists. Would be a huge addition for any four of those schools. Uh, I'm really interested to see where he goes, especially the kind of talents that he can bring. I, I think he's going to step into uh, a big power four, power five uh, conference and tear it up. He's got great size. He's got great skills. And a team like Illinois, you know, first off, Illinois could use him big time, especially if they lose Kofi Coburn, who's right now in the transfer portal with the possibility of um, – him coming back, but he's looking at other schools. Apparently Kentucky's interested in him, so it might be too good to pass up on if he gets an offer from Kentucky or Kansas. So that would be a huge upgrade if they were to lose Coburn. Alabama is always a contender. Uh, they've they've done a great job completely changing their narrative over the past couple of seasons. 
and that could be a, a really good fit. Arkansas could be a good fit. Mo- Moses Moody is out. Uh, they're kind of replenishing. They got a couple more freshmen coming in this year. Eric Musselman's really turned that program around. Uh, O'Banner could be the star of that front court if he were if they were to add him. And Texas Tech too. You know, Texas Tech they lost they lost Chris Beard. Um, he and they added Adams, who is their new head coach. Um, so they're kind of in a rebuild. They lost Mac McClung, who's going to the NBA draft. Uh, Marcus Santos Silva left as well, but Terrence Shannon is coming back and they're, they're going to be, they're still going to be pretty good. And I think O'Banner could help revitalize that, that offense. Um, I think that him and Shannon in that front court could be really good. I think that all four of these teams would be such interesting fits. And I would really like to see I, I would really like to see him especially go to Texas Tech because I think that that could be where he becomes a stud. He'd be the go-to score. Uh, they you know kind of in like a rebuild with you know so after losing some of their prospects and obviously their great head coach, but um, I think that O'Banner going to Texas Tech could be a good one. I think really any of those four schools would be really interesting, and they could all really use him. Uh, just like the the ten, the other ten schools um, that he announced that didn't make the four: Florida was one, Oklahoma was one, Creighton. Uh, I, I thought Creighton would have been an interesting situation, very interesting situation with uh, Ryan Nemhard coming in. But one of their top freshmen that they're bringing in, uh, losing Zagorowski, losing Denzel Mahoney, but uh, I think O'Banner makes it makes it very interesting. So Kevin O'Banner down to four schools. I'm sure in the next week or two we'll be finding out which one of those four it's going to be. And then another piece of news: the Magic hired Jamal Mosley as head coach. Um, Mosley's been an NBA coach since 2005 jumping into the NBA and working in player development for the Nuggets from 2005 to 2007. Uh, He was an assistant for the Nuggets from 07 to 2010. It was the Cleveland Cavaliers assistant from 2010 to 2014 and was the the Dallas Mavericks assistant under Rick Carlisle since 2014. So he's been a long time waiting for him to become the next, to become a new uh, up and coming head coach in the NBA, and I'm glad to see him get his opportunities. 42 years old, played college at Colorado, and played overseas in the NBL. Uh, he's been spoken highly of by so many players, uh, personnel, front office members in the Mavericks organization. Luka Doncic uh, last year went on to it was basically said that he's going to be a, he can be an amazing head coach right now. Uh, he Luca, Luca spoke highly of him. I, that's why I thought that the Mavericks would possibly consider promoting him to head coach um, before they moved on from their Maverick from their head coaching situation. I thought that they would give him more of a look. Uh, we got Tom Scavetta with the Wizards being the only head coaching opening left. Who gets it? That's going to be really interesting. That's a good question. Um, we haven't like we haven't really heard much about the Wizards opening like at all to um I haven't heard too many guys are getting interviewed I haven't heard 
you know, who they're really considering. Are they considering a veteran head coach? Are they considering a young head coach? I would assume they, they would be interested in bringing in a veteran head coach since they got Westbrook, they have Beal. They're going to try to add pieces to that, and they really think that they can compete with the, that, that core right there. I could see them bringing in an experienced head coach um, and, you know, kind of moving on from there. They, they might take a look at Terry Stotts. Uh, I just I saw that um, a few of the other head coaches that got fired took assistant coaching jobs. So the, it's interesting to know how many are left and how many are actually um, interested in the position. So they might not – I feel like a big name might not be the case. They might you know, continue with – what seems to be the common trend is the first year head coaches. There really hasn't been a recycled, recycled head coaches. You know, um, Ime Udoka uh, for the Celtics will be a first year head coach. Chauncey Billups will be a first year. Mosley will be a first year. Uh, Rick Carlisle is really one of the only veterans um, that, but you knew that Rick Carlisle was going to get uh, added on again. He was, it was more of a, a mutual parting of ways to kind of like find a different situation for Carlisle. So not at all surprised about that, but back to the original magic hire Jamal Mosley as the head coach. So Mosley will be taking over for the Orlando magic going to be very interesting to see what they do. I'm really interested to see how they attack this draft too. They have the fifth pick. They can go a lot of different ways with that fifth pick. Uh, do they go Scotty Barnes? Do they go Jonathan Kuminga? Uh, I'll have some thoughts on that when I drop my mock draft and uh I got. I already have a few pieces that I think that they're going to look at, but they're they're on the high road to a rebuild right now, so it'll be interesting. So now jumping from that news, we're going to bring on our special guest, one of my best friends, John Quinn. John, hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really glad to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. Of course, anytime. So anyway. John huge Knicks fan like myself. So yes. we got we got to run over some Knicks stuff. We got to run over the NBA finals. There's so much going on right now. So the first things first, you know, we have the draft coming up. The mm -hmm. Knicks, it's going to be interesting to see how the Knicks approach um, the draft. We have four picks. We got the 19th, 21st, 32nd, and 58th. What are your thoughts on some team needs and how um, you think they should do? Well, you know, in, with regards to players, I think uh, – much like last year's draft, that this year is going to be kind of difficult to pinpoint. I think, obviously, with team needs, I think we know where we are, what our strengths and weaknesses are. I think more than anything else, uh, we need a point guard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because okay, look, sure. and I'm hoping, you know, obviously we'll probably get into free agency a bit later. I'm hoping that Derek Rose will be able to stay with the team. Hopefully, Alec Burks and Erlen Noel will be able to do the same because they were vital to us during our playoff run this last year. But, you know, at the same time, Derek Rose functioned better in the second unit, in my opinion. He was able to get better looks for guys like Quickly and Toppin, and even Mitchell Robinson when he was healthy and coming off the bench. You know, it, it, he just functioned better in the second unit. And when you moved him to the first unit, obviously you had to in the playoffs because Alfred Payton was such a liability. You know, you kind of lost that bench scoring. You know, you yeah, didn't exactly. you didn't have that catalyst, and as a result people were able to, to harp in more on quickly, harp in more on top. And, you know, they weren't able to get the looks that they would have liked. And as a result, the bench scoring uh, suffered. So, you know, maybe you bring back Rose and he starts and you use a, a draft pick. I think, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, it's a Keon Johnson out of, 
out of Tennessee, I think he would be good. Or yeah. I think this is the 19th pick and then, uh, or maybe man out of Florida, those two would probably be the, the best just cause I mean, at the 19th pick, who's even, you know, I, I don't know who's going to be available. I think with weird shortened seasons because of COVID, it's going to be sort of hard to assess uh, talent. So, you know, a lot of it could be hit or miss, but I think those are two guys um, that would really bode well in the system. They've got size, they've got athleticism. It looks like they have some defensive prowess. You know, so I think they would fit in a Tibbs system. Uh, with the 21st pick, I think, you know, if there's a three and D wing available, you can never go wrong with that. You can never yeah, have too many exactly. of those. I mean, look, Reggie Bullock, I think he's also a free agent. He might leave in free agency. Um, you know, but again, he was invaluable during the playoff run. So, you know, you sort of see what worked and what didn't. And what worked was that we had guys like him, veteran presences like that. But again, free agency, it's, it's coming up whether we like it or not. We're going to lose some of these pieces as much as I wish we could keep all of them. We're going to lose some of them, unfortunately. So if we could potentially draft a guy like a Reggie Bullock, like an Alec Burks, who is going to be there under team control on a team-friendly contract for a number of years to grow and develop with the young core that we already have, I think that would be the best bet. You know, for the second round, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> you know? second, the second round's a crapshoot. It's it's difficult to to always tell. You know, you got guys who are projected in the early second round that end up either going undrafted or go late second round. It's very difficult. But I I like everything. All the points that you made. You know, we need some three and D guys. You know, name of the show right there. Um, shout we, out. <laughs> we shout shout out name of the show right there. Uh, if we need some three point shooters, that's key. Uh, there's a lot of ways we can go about it. And, you know, as I've been putting together my mock draft, um, a few guys that I've really, that I've looked at at 19 and 21, Io Desunmu from Illinois, who's a point guard shooting guard. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in college basketball. I think that he could be a great fit with the Knicks because he's a great ball handler. He's a clutch scorer. He was arguably the clutchest scorer in college basketball this entire season. Uh, we could use a guy like that who can hit the big shots in the fourth quarter. He's tall. He's 6'5". He can handle the ball. They think he might be more of a shooting guard in the NBA, but uh, you know, you can never go wrong with him. I also think Cam Thomas from LSU could be a good one. He led all freshmen in scoring this year. He averaged 23 points a game. He's a 6'3", 6'4", shooting guard, basically. Kind of, you know, some he's got a point guard height, but he's a score first kind of guy. Those those are two guys I really would like to look at 19, 21. I also I also really like Trey Mann. As you said, Trey Mann's a good one because he's big, great ball handler, elusive, quick, um, can score. I think the key is we need a point guard and we need a point guard that can score, though. We need a, we need a scoring point guard that can hand that can be the playmaker that can run the floor, but can also hit the big shots when we need them when when we need them to be hit. So right. I I really think that that's where you have to attack. I also think we need a big man too. Um, we can never go wrong with big man depth, especially if Taj, you know, if Taj Gibson retires or something. We still have Mitch, and no one's Noel's going to be a free agent. There's a there's a pretty decent chance we don't bring him back. You know, he had an amazing defensive year, so somebody might swoop him up on you know a bigger contract than we can match hopefully we do bring him back but if that's the case then you know we have Taj Norvell Pell who are like our only backup big men so we're definitely gonna have to we're definitely gonna have to sign a big man we're gonna have to draft and we're probably gonna have to draft a big, a big man so that's where I think we look at with this 32nd pick uh one guy that sticks out is Greg Brown from Texas 
uh, watching him. He was a big-time freshman coming in this year, but I really think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he's kind of fallen into the second-round range. He played well at the Combine. He's lengthy. He's like 6'9", 206. He's kind of thin. You know, he's similar uh, similar build to to Mitch, basically, but a couple inches smaller. Uh, he's He's got more potential on the on the offensive end i think he's a little bit of a project but that could be a good one you know charles bassey i think is uh from western kentucky is almost an immediate thing that's a guy that they should look at if he falls to 32 uh that's that's someone i like and a, a shooter that i think could be available at 58 is joe wieskamp from iowa yeah, he's <laughs> he was so good, lethal three point shooter. Stayed in the draft this year. He could be available at fifty eight. He might go. He's projected to go somewhere in the second round. But um, if he falls to fifty eight, that could be a good one. There's a lot of good shooters in this draft too, especially in the second round. So using those two second round picks on guys who can shoot, it are is never you know can never be an issue. And then we got Hank. Always remember, New York will be in Knicks town. They will be back and better than ever. That's facts. You better believe it. We got Marty join us of Intercept Your Lunch. The Knicks should throw everything and the kitchen sink for CP3 to join. Change the culture. Maybe. I maybe. I to be honest with you, I want to. Um, I would love to go all in and try and sign Chris Paul because I think that that could be a good move. Um, he's a winner, and I think he could be. He could kind of like build this young core to even uh, a better team. But like, if we were to have a sign and trade situation, I wouldn't trade like any of our young, right. Any of like our young core pieces for him. My only qualm with that though, would be obviously if you're going to get him, it would be a signing trade, but who's to say he even wants to come to the Knicks. That's you know, exactly. This is, this is his first finals experience. And I'm more than elated for him because obviously he's, the point guard, he's top four point yeah. guard ever. Might if he wins a ring this year, I'd put him above Stockton in the top three. I, um, I would probably too, yeah. But I mean, again, if if you you got to look at where he is in his career, you know, because it's what year sixteen, year fifteen, something around yeah. that range. So, you know, this is the first time he's made it past the conference finals into the actual NBA finals. And as well as he's been playing, I know game three he didn't play as well as he had in game one and two. But you know, you got to think at this point, it's all about the ring for him. You know, 100%. so maybe staying in Phoenix gives him that best bet to return. Maybe leaving going somewhere else does. But with that in mind, do the Knicks really provide him with the best opportunity to win a ring? And I think if he were a couple years younger, maybe when he was first starting with the Rockets or even, you know, later years with the Clippers, sure, I think the Knicks give him a good opportunity. But, you know, at this stage in his career, I think he goes elsewhere because they give him a better shot where the Knicks still are, I think, a year or two away, unfortunately. Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't see him leaving the Suns. Um, I think that this, even if they were to lose to the Bucks in the finals, I feel like this might be the team that he decides to ride with and to try to get his ring. Um, I think that the fact that he made it all the way finals was kind of eye-opening. This is a different situation than the Kawhi Raptors situation. Uh, you know, Kawhi didn't really want to go to the Raptors, but he still won a ring with them in one year, and we knew he wasn't going to go back there. He always wanted to go back to California, but Chris Paul has always been a go-with-the-flow guy. He he, uh, he likes to play where he's comfortable. You know, he's already played in L.A., and it didn't work. Um, he spent all those years with the Hornets and then got frustrated. You know, he – he jumped over to the Rockets. He stuck it out with the Thunder all of last season, too, without demanding a trade or demanding to sit out and mm-hmm. ended up bringing them to the playoffs. So I could see them 
I can see him really growing a bond, uh, growing a bond with this young Suns team being the veteran, uh, keeping that big three of Booker and Aiden together. I feel like, I, you know, I would love Chris Paul in the Knicks. I don't know what it would take to get Chris Paul in the Knicks, but I, the more these playoffs have gone on, I really just don't see. I really don't see him leaving the Suns right. this season. With that same uh, sentiment in mind, though, I mean, like you said, he's he's sort of. Uh, bonded with this young Suns team. And I think his relationship with Devin Booker is so different than his relationship was with Harden in Houston, you know, because oh, yeah. Devin Booker, Devin Booker recognizes, you know, sure. I just, I've been on this team for however long, but Chris Paul is the alpha. He's, he's the vet, you know, he has wisdom to, to bestow upon me and I'm going to, you know, sit attentively and listen and learn. And I think he tried to do that with Harden and Harden had too much of an ego, wasn't, you know, open to it. And as a result, they butted heads. It didn't work, you know? So yeah. Maybe that maybe it's a virtue of youth and, and open mindedness, but you know I th- I think Chris Paul would welcome another opportunity to continue to be his mentor. I completely agree with that, and you know the, the, that goes back to the jury still being out on the Nets. I really don't know if that core is is going to be able to mesh well enough to you know stick it out for an entire season <laughs> to win an NBA championship. I'm really not sold. I'm really not sold. Well, talent wise, I think they're there. It's talent. It's- oh, talent wise, they're beyond there. <laughs> It's but, personalities and yeah. culture, though, because exactly. like, look, it's the mentality. When Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant signed there, you know, I think they recognized obviously that Kevin Durant was the alpha and that Kyrie was the beta, for lack of a better term. But then you bring in another guy who's been an alpha on his team for a number of years within James Harden. You know, obviously it's a different dynamic, but you know, again, hierarchy essentially remains the same. Just Kyrie gets pushed down a peg. You yeah. know, so you have two guys who have been the best options on their teams respectively in the past in Durant and Harden. And then you have Irving who wants to be that guy, tried to be that guy in Boston and it failed miserably. Yeah. He can't be that guy. He's got to be a supporting piece. Exactly. But is he, is he willing to accept that role? I, I don't think so. I think he was okay with the number two, but will he be okay with the number three? I, I disagree. I don't think he will. I know it's true. You never, you never really know. And then next one, do Nilakina or Knox have a future on this team? Seems like two guys that aren't used much in the next rotation. I know your answer for half of that, <laughs> um, without a doubt. But for, I think it's tough. I, Nilakina is a free agent this offseason, and Kevin Knox is not. But you can package. I feel like packaging Knox in some type of trade to move up on draft day or something like that could be a high possibility. You know, move up a couple of picks or something like that. Knox kind of has fallen out of the rotation. Thibodeau doesn't love him. He doesn't play much defense. He's an inconsistent three point shooter, and that's really all he's good for. So he he is almost completely gone. Nilakina, on the other hand, is a free agent this year. Depending on how we attack the point guard situation, how many we sign, how many we draft. Um, I can't, I don't really see Nilakina signing for more than a veteran minimum this off season. Like, I don't, I don't see anybody giving him like a multi-year deal or anything like that. So you might be able to retain him on like a veteran minimum to bring him back off your bench, give you some defensive minutes. What are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, you know, my opinion on Nilakina. I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm all in on, uh, on the Frank hive. I love Frank the tank. Um, but you know, it, sort of what you were saying, I agree. Um, you know, I think he provides more value to this Knicks team in Thibodeau's system than Knox does just by yeah, virtue of his strong defensive prowess, whereas Knox is a subpar defender. And not only subpar, at times it looks like he lacks effort on the defensive end, whereas, you know, Neil Aquina, it you know, it doesn't matter. Obviously, his offense leaves much to be desired, but 
you know, if he comes into a game and you tell him, hey, go guard the opposing team's best player, he's going to do it to the best visibility. Effort's never a question. It's just yeah. result-based there. Um, so I, I, I'm a little surprised that he didn't gel as well with Thibodeau, you know, just, just because he's a defensive-minded coach, because Frank is a defensive first player. You know, I thought that maybe he could, obviously not to the same degree because Tony Allen is one of the best defenders ever, but, you know, maybe he could have essentially taken on a role like that, maybe a Nate McMillan role, who knows. But, you know, that didn't happen. I think if you can bring him back at a reasonable price, then by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Knicks have his bird rights. But I think that also means that he's a restricted free agent. So he is. Yeah. So so they can match anything that he gets. Right. But I don't think they'll match if it's unreasonable. Exactly. Let's say, let's say there's a, I mean, I don't know who would, who's even in the market for him, but if there's a team that needs is in need of defense and is willing to give him, you know, anything more than five million dollars a year, I think the Knicks let him walk. Exactly, I and completely with, agree. And with Knox, though, I, I, I mean, I think Neil Akina has a potential future here. I don't think Knox does. Yeah. You know, I know he's still under contract. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move him on draft day. I know that, you know, obviously he went to Kentucky. He has a relationship with Kenny Payne. They brought Kenny Payne in. I think they were expecting as a result that he would take larger strides in terms of his progress and development. And obviously we didn't get that. In fact, he fell out of the rotation. Um, It's kind of a shame, but his best year was his rookie year. Obviously he was getting the most minutes, was allowed to essentially do whatever he wanted without any real consequence. And, you know, I think, I think having that freedom as a younger player on a developing team is, is almost harmful because it, you know, gives you the false perspective that you can do whatever you want. You can't, at least now you can't, you can't do that and win basketball games at the very least. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I know he's, he was probably the second youngest player in his draft class. I know he's still incredibly young. Someone I'm sure will take notice of that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has some value in the trade market, but how much value I couldn't tell you. Exactly. I think that this would be if you're going really want to trade him and you want to give up on him, this is the offseason to trade him because I do think he does have some value. It's not anything notable. You know, it's not anything that's going to give you anything uh, extreme. But uh, if you wait another year and he sits the bench for an entire season because Thibodeau like just falls falls out of love with him, then he's going to basically have no value um, right. the following year. And then he's going to be a free agent, too. So he, so that's going to be even more of a disaster. Then don't forget. Then got my dad. Don't forget about Valdoza playing well for Argentina. Yep, that's um, that's a dark horse. That's a dark horse next year for the for the Knicks. I'm telling you. Um, well, I'm looking forward to it just because I, I mean am. we've seen a handful of his clips from from his play in Spain. I know that he's he's a good veteran playmaker that can hit deep like has range. So you know, bringing him into the mix, I think almost. I mean, maybe he's less of an unknown than we think he is just because so many of the players are now European born and play overseas before coming to the NBA. Maybe they've already got him figured out, but I think for the most part, a lot of the American born guys that play primarily in the college AAU system, he, they're going to have no idea who he is. And I think we could really capitalize on that at least for part of the season. Oh, hundred percent. I think that it's going to be really interesting. He's got a ton of potential, a ton of NBA players love him. Obviously Kobe, uh, apparently loved him and wanted the Lakers to go after him. He's going to be an X factor next year. I'm really excited to see what he has. And you know, you never know. He could either be a he could be a, either a good bench piece or he could always he could also become the future point guard. You, it's very tough to tell. Right. But, but jumping over from the Knicks to the NBA Finals, um, this the we got the uh, the Bucks winning last night. 
the Bucks won one twenty to one hundred on Sunday to make the series two to one. Chris Paul had nineteen points and nine assists. Devin Booker struggled again from the field though, with only ten points, shot three of fourteen from the field and one of seven from three. DeAndre Aiden had another near double double with eighteen points and nine rebounds, but the big story was Giannis. Giannis bursted out with 41 points, 13 rebounds, and six assists while shooting 14 of 23 from the field and was efficient from the free throw line. Drew Holiday also added 21 points and nine assists, and Chris Middleton had 18 points, seven rebounds, and six assists. John, what were your thoughts about game three last night? You know, I'm, I'm glad the Bucks won. I mean, because truthfully, I don't really have a horse in this race. You know, you and I are both Knicks fans. I love Giannis. I like Chris Paul, you know, so one way or the other, you know, some guys that I enjoy watching play basketball are going to get a ring. So I can't complain either way. I'm yeah. from the standpoint where I just want it to be a good entertaining series. And I think the Bucks bringing it to within one game on their home court, make it a much more competitive series moving forward. I think Giannis is just, I mean, he's called the Greek freak for a reason. <laughs> he's doing some yeah. eye popping things. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me about his game was his tenacity on the on the offensive rebounds. You know, whether it's him missing a shot and being there to put it back in, whether it's his his teammates missing a shot, him he's just always there. He's he literally eats glass. He's a freak of nature on the yeah. boards, and uh, you know, so obviously, I think there's no denying his greatness now. I think people who are trying to debate whether or not he's still a good player or kind of, or he deserved those MVPs are, are kind of ridiculous. It's like, do you even watch the game? I exactly. Um, I know. People one, that are yeah. Which it's, I don't get it. I don't get it. He won two yeah. D he won a uh, two MVPs, a defensive player of the year award. I mean, the dude's arrived and he's, he's yeah. earned every accolade that he's won. And now he's proving it on the biggest stage. You know, there's not much more exactly. to prove. I just, you know, maybe you could argue, Oh, well he needs to win a ring. Well, He's here. He has an opportunity to do so. So we'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. But um, one thing that struck me as kind of odd is Devin Booker. You know, yeah. the dude is, is uh, he's marketed as essentially the next Kobe. He scored 70 in a game when he was a couple years ago when he was super young. You know, I, I forget which game it was in the Clippers series, but he scored 18 straight points to keep them in that game, if not put them ahead. You know, uh, but it seems like he – gave up on himself almost. He, he defeated himself mentally. And as a result, um, what's the famous Kobe quote, or maybe it's either Kobe or Dion Waiters. And I feel like it's a sin to mention him in the same breath, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think I know what you're talking about. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. If you're like, if you're one for eight, you, you'd rather be, you'd rather be, um, like one for 30 and not one for eight because one for eight means you gave up. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So that means he gave up. That's that's exactly. It. Yeah, I think that was Dion Waiters. Honestly, that was that was a gem. Dion Waiters had some ending to his career. Had that, had that quote, and then um, the, the airplane you know, gummies and you know, the airplane gummies. My God, he was like oh, it, he, he was a good player. He was a good player for his decent amount of time, but he just uh, it, it was it was actually kind of it was very way. comical the way that his career ended. It was. He just couldn't get out of his own way. And I, I'm sorry for attributing that quote to Kobe. It seemed, it, it's reminiscent of the Mamba mentality, quite frankly. Yeah. And I agree I with Hank's comment. There never will be another Kobe. You're right, man. Um, yeah. But again, with Booker, you know, he, he looks up to Kobe. Kobe's his idol. And, you know, he stopped shooting. I want to say he was like 3 of 15, you know, and I know he hit a, a step back three in the first quarter and he was relatively inconsistent from that point on. But, you know, 15 points, it's it's – Kind of an anomaly. If you're the Bucks, you need to try and capitalize on this as much as humanly possible because, let's be real, Devin Booker is a 30-point-per-game scorer. You can't rely on him to <clears throat> can't rely on him to continue missing shots. 
you know, that's that's not his thing. That's not his game. Eventually, his shot will start to fall. And if you can't get guys like Holiday and Middleton, who are supposed to be, you know, the two and three guys on this Bucks team, if you can't get them going to capitalize on this, you're going to lose this series. Exactly. And we got a good point right here. Booker only shooting 36% from the field, 29% from three since game two of Western Conference Finals. Still like Suns to win, but they need him to get going. That absolutely. is abs- it's absolutely true. That's that's been the difference maker, and that was part of their downfall last night. You know, Booker, it like you said, you know, he's he's gotten the uh, the acclaim of, you know, Kobe passing the torch from Kobe and things like that, which I think is ridiculous. You know, you got Jalen Green in this year's draft who had great, who had gotten comparisons to Kobe. Like it's just they just throw around comparisons sometimes. I and I'm a big Devin Booker fan, but um I they they need him they need him to be big time and they don't need him chucking up threes. You know, we talked about this in the last episode. They need him scoring inside the paint. They need him taking his long twos. Like that's how and they need him to be effective from it. And that's how they're going to win these games. They got enough three points. They got enough guys who can stand up by the three point line and, and hit some three balls. Cam Johnson, uh, you know, Cameron Payne, Cam Johnson has been great. Cameron Payne has been great. Jay Crowder has been a little inconsistent, but he can hit a three ball if need be. You know, Michael Bridges can hit a three ball. Still salty that the Knicks didn't take him. I've been saying, I've been saying it. I mean, we watched that draft together and I was saying it. Um, Could have got him or Porter Jr. We didn't get either one. I wanted Michael Bridges, and when we saw that Michael Porter Jr. fell that much, it's like, okay, this pick better be either Bridges or Porter Jr., and we ended up neither. taking it off, and we we called it, but that's neither here nor there. So, oh, uh, very, very tough, very tough, but it, that's, still but that's it still hurts. It still 100% <laughs> hurts, but, uh, the, that's, but that's the difference maker. You know, you need, um, you need Booker to be on his game, and, uh, you know, he's your leading scorer. He's your go-to when you need a big shot. He needs to be on his game. And one for seven from three is just not cutting it. He's not um, He's not the most amazing three-point shooter ever. You know, he's like – he's a good three-point shooter, but he's not He's not completely lethal. And his his assassin way of playing is, within, is inside the three-point line. Right. Well, which is such an underrated part of – today's NBA. I mean, obviously Steph Curry is, he sort of led this three point revolution. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the three ball as much as anyone else. I was a huge fan of Steve Novak, but you know, again, it's, it's just because it's less efficient to essentially take a long two doesn't mean you shouldn't do it just to keep the defense on their toes, especially if you have the ability to like Chris Paul has been eating the sun, eating the the bucks up from mid range the entire series. And he had 30 points in the first game and he was lethal from the mid range. You know, if, if you're running a defensive set like the Bucks often have where you're either guarding the paint or the perimeter, take advantage of the gray area, which is the mid-range. You know, it, it yeah. seems, you know, if, if this was a conversation we were having 10, 15 years ago, that would be a no-brainer. You'd be thinking, yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah, but now the, the game is developed in such a way where that's, you know, not really the, the natural train of thought anymore. It's, it's a little odd, but, you know, I mean, hey, you got to do what you got to do to win. And if that's what's going to get you going, then by all means, go for it. That's exactly, yeah. And another thing about Booker that I'm just remember it was maybe two, three years ago, maybe it was uh, two years ago when they had him running the point primarily. You know, so we know that he could be a tried and true playmaker. So you know, maybe rather than I mean, obviously you have Chris Paul as the primary ball handler, but you know, in certain instances when people are expecting Booker to shoot, if he were to find open looks for other players, 
that could potentially get him going. Who knows? I mean, oftentimes with point guards, that's what gets them going, getting their other teammates open looks. So, I mean, hey, you know, you've got a handful more games to prove it. You need two more to win the series. You know, it could potentially go to seven. If yeah. the Bucs play like they did yesterday, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. So, you know, yeah. hey, you got time to change it up. Might as well, you know, experiment a bit while you still can. Exactly. It's going to be very showing to a game four for the Suns. See how much, see what kind of game plan they can put together to come back from that because this is going to be a big one. Because if the Suns win this, the Bucks are in big trouble, and the Bucks the Bucks know they need to win this. They need to even up the series to bring it back to Phoenix in order to have a good shot. And I think if they do that too, this series is going to go seven games. Right. Um, another good point: Booker being aggressive with mid range and getting to free throw line is what he needs to do. I believe it helps him get a rhythm with three pointers as well. I completely, I completely agree with that. I think that his primary um, goal on the offensive end has to be to take it to the basket, you know, score from within 15 feet, and then start worrying about hitting the three ball. Because if he comes out just chucking the threes, you know, it's it's never going to go well. And we've seen that the last couple of games, you know, one for seven. And then well, keep not only the- that, not only that, I mean, you see a couple shots fall. You see the ball go through the bottom of the basket, you're going to get your confidence back exactly. no matter where you're hitting exactly. from. You know, Once you see it go in, it could be from 10 feet, could be from 2 feet, could be from 30. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. You'll get that confidence back. And basketball players are a lot like pitchers in my mind. A lot of it is is mental. You know, So if you're not there mentally, you're not, you don't have that confidence to hit the shots that you know you're capable of, you won't. You know, So yeah. seeing the ball go through, gaining that confidence, I think it would be huge for him. Absolutely. I completely agree. And keep Brooke Lopez in drop coverage and don't let Paul and Booker get the switch off of Holiday on screens. Absolutely. I like that. I, well, I, like that. I mean, so. if you look at what uh, the Bucks made a, an interesting defensive adjustment yesterday, they went small, but them being small was putting Giannis at center, you know, yeah. <laughs> which you're allowed to do when you have a guy that's so versatile because, I mean, people seem to forget, but he was drafted as a shooting guard. He played a large portion of his career at small forward, power forward. Even with Jason Kidd at, at a head coach, he played point guard. Yeah. And now in certain sets, he's playing five. So you know that he's not a he's defensive player of the year, you know, so he can drop back. He could guard the one through five. If you need to go small with him at the five, you, you're more than capable of doing so with, uh, with PJ Tucker, who, again, can also guard fives. You yeah. know, so they, they have a lot more defensive versatility than I think the Suns do. And Brooke Lopez, while he crushed that one game versus the Nets, is he the guy moving forward? Is this an adjustment that they need to make? Maybe, you know. Maybe having him get less minutes, but um, you know we shall see. You know, <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting, and I completely agree with that. You know, the the Bucks, I mean the Suns, uh, the Bucks. I'm sorry, do have a big presence on the defensive end. You know, you got Drew Holiday, you got Chris Middleton, you got Giannis, who's your defensive player of the year from last year, and then PJ Tucker, who's all around amazing defensive player. That's what he's known for. And both Tucker and Giannis can guard the fives, like you were saying. So it's you know it's a very interesting situation. Um, I think that uh, that they're going to have to make some adjustments and jump into it for the next series and for the next game. And you know it'll be interesting to see how they come out. They're going to have to put, do something like that. I'm not sure if you know Brooke Lopez getting a ton of minutes is going to be the best call. I think that if things are going well with Giannis and Tucker out there uh, at the four and five, you know you're going to keep rolling with that. Uh, so I think I think it's very interesting, right? Well, because like Tom alluded to, Lopez was getting essentially abused on the defensive end on these switches. Whether it was switching on to Booker, switching on to Paul, it didn't work well for him, you know. And even 
some of the guys like Jay Crowder, sure, he could potentially guard him, but Crowder, I think they're using him as a four. He's really a three. You know, he's he's athletic enough to guard threes. So, no, it, it, it really depends on matchups. I think they were hamstrung, the Suns, in a sense, because uh, Aiton had three first-half fouls. You know, so when when you have three fouls in the first half like that, and Aiton is a major contributor, you know, he's had these monster double-doubles the entirety of the playoffs, you, know, you kind of got to be a little more tentative, and as a result, you know, they kind of – were able to get away with certain things. Uh, the Bucks, I mean, were able to get away with exploiting that just because, you know, if he, you, your major rim protector is going to be tentative and not try and block some of these shots because of foul trouble or, or foul concerns, you know, might as well let Giannis just camp out in the paint and eat every board and get every putback imaginable, you know? So, yeah, exactly. It, it all depends. But I mean, I think this is like Tom is alluding to. I miss Dante as well, but I think, uh, I think the Suns are hurting with the lack of Sarich. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he tear his ACL? Yep, he did. Yeah, so that hurts them. I mean, because, look, you're lucky to still have Frank Kaminsky, former college basketball player of the year, but Mm -hmm. this is the NBA, very different from college basketball. Obviously, he hasn't seen the production in the NBA that he he would have expected with the, you know, winning the award that he did in college. So, you know, they're kind of – they don't have the ability to go small the way that the, uh, the Bucks do. You know, yeah. and, and their backup big, you know, sure he's serviceable, but is he is he really going to put you over the top? I don't think so. Exactly. I completely agree with that. You know, it's it, there's a bunch of ways it can go. It's going to be very interesting. Game four is Wednesday night in Milwaukee. Uh, I think it's really another must win for the Bucks. So, Absolutely. So jumping over from the NBA Finals, now we'll go into the free agency, our last topic. Um, the Knicks' top free agent target targets now we kind of like talked about a little bit of their team needs and we talked about some of the things that you know they should be looking for obviously chris paul is a big is a big name that they're definitely going to go after are there any names that that you want to see them add and so what are your takes on their free agency well you know i think what they do in free agency really depends on what they end up doing in the draft because yeah. look even if they do draft a point guard which i hope they do i wouldn't be surprised if they still went out and tried to sign a guard um, who's to say that they won't be involved in some of these larger draft night trades? I know Lillard is potentially unhappy. You know, with with regards to that, obviously anyone and their mother would be thrilled to have Lillard on the Knicks. I think he would thrive in the in the massive market. He's, in my opinion, one of the most marketable players in the league. You know, he he would definitely be able to thrive in a city like New York. Uh, but I I wouldn't want to pull the trigger unless the asking price is right. Personally, mm-hmm. because like, look, if it if it requires giving up quickly, then okay, that's that's a price I'm willing to pay. But every and I don't know how these guys at Bleacher Report still have their jobs. They're terrible sports writers. Yeah, every the every worst. single mock trade, every single mock trade I see is horrible. They're the worst. They're like, all yeah. right, how about we trade R.J. Barrett, Obi Topin, uh, all your first round picks in next year's first for. Colin Sexton and Kevin Love. And it's like in yeah. what world? That was a bad one. That Colin Sexton one oh was terrible. God. Oh, oh it's, I don't know how they have jobs. Um, but you know, look, if you can if you can get Lillard with giving up, you know, quickly top in and picks, then by all means. But if it requires including RJ, I think he is really the only player on this roster that's hundred percent untouchable, in my yeah. opinion. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can if you can swing something like that without giving up RJ, I say pull the trigger. That kind of takes care of your your need for a um, a point guard, I think you'd still have money to use in cap, so it could potentially attract another star to join him in free agency. I think the allure of playing with, um, you know, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, a star player, and potentially another star would be huge. 
Uh, but really and truly, I think the Knicks are sort of just best suited to stay the course. You know, yeah. they, they've been rebuilding. They've never really committed to it since the Isaiah Thomas era, since the Phil Collins era, or Phil Jackson era. <laughs> Phil Collins. Oh my God. I'm listening to a lot of Genesis lately. <laughs> but uh, so that's in my head. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, look, they've never really committed to a rebuild. I like the way that they've been going. We've seen, I think the timetable has been pushed up a little bit just based on you yeah. know, the fact that Tibbs is such a good coach and that Randall took the leaps that he did. RJ, I mean, his scoring numbers are, are significantly better, significantly more efficient, especially from three. So, you know, he's taken major leaps. I know he's a workhorse, so I, I expect him to continue making those leaps. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you're able to get someone. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went after a Reggie Jackson type. Um, I, think he may, I think he may have played himself with this, uh, you know, these playoffs into more money than maybe he's worth. But yeah. I think he's a better fit than potentially a Dennis Schroeder, though. Just because, I mean, Schroeder, it seemed like, didn't jive well in the locker room with the Lakers. You know, came out, says he's expecting $100-plus million in free agency. I think that's ludicrous. And I think Jackson, he came in, accepted his role, and he broke out because they needed him to. I think in terms of culture and fit, he would definitely fit better with the Knicks. Um, If you look at Schroeder, I mean, he, he really rose to prominence. Yeah, he was, you know, heir apparent to Jeff Teague in Atlanta. It didn't really pan out the way they wanted him to. He ended up in OKC. And yeah. he I can't remember if he won six man of the year or if he was the finalist for it. But, you know, I think that role suited him best. And now you thrust him into the spotlight in L.A., you know, you, you bring him in to be the point guard. I think they would have been better off keeping Rondo and having him come off the bench. But, you know, whether whether or not his ego would have permitted that, who's to say? So yeah. I think if you have to go after a point guard like that, you're better off going with Jackson. Uh, a, na- a name that's been floated out a lot recently has been DeMar DeRozan. I hope the Knicks stay clear of him personally. Yeah. Just because I mean, he, like, he wouldn't be really a good fit, like with the way we're going. We quickly and RJ are two similar players, and that's what we're trying to build them towards to be. I mean, um, like I, I love DeRozan, but I feel like he's just not – he wouldn't be a perfect fit. We need more of a point guard. Right. And even so, I mean – spacing would take a significant hit because DeMar, yeah. as much as I like the guy, he's, he's mid-range heavy and it's, it's yeah. an anomaly in today's league. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate it, but it, it is kind of a relic in a sense that, you know, it'd be one thing if he could shoot the mid-range and shoot threes as well, but he, it's almost as if in Popovich's system, he's rejected the three. Yeah. Know, he's, he's embraced tradition and rejected modernity. So, you know, <laughs> who's to say, yeah. but again, would he fit in Tibbs system? I, I think he's sort of has a reputation of being a, an average to subpar defender. So, you know, if you're not getting that elite level defense and you're also shrinking the floor in a lineup that's most likely going to feature Mitch, you know, I think that that's almost a liability in a sense. You know, so I I, I don't know. Quite frankly, I think if the Knicks are going to do anything in free agency, they either go after Jackson or stay the course and try to resign the guys that uh, were key pieces for them, like Burks, uh, Noel, and uh, I mean, honestly, Taj Gibson, too, and, and Reggie Bullock. And Derrick Rose would be the biggest free agent need, in my opinion. Maybe he'll take a hometown discount to stay with Tibbs. I know that they have a long history, and you know it's, it's been a prosperous history. So maybe he'll take less money to stay. Uh, yeah. that's, that's the hope. But I think he is probably what's best for the culture. I like that a lot, and I think that that's true. You either – you know, you – instead of trying to like hit the home run, you either get somebody who's a good fit or you just keep staying the core, staying the course and try to build a winner the way that they're doing going full rebuild. You know, the only 
I feel like the only guy I would trade for is Damian Lillard, and that's only right. if you like the best kind of situation. If you can right. give up quickly and like, you know, if you don't have to give up RJ, but I feel like they would probably demand RJ. And to be honest with you, I really don't think he gets traded, Lillard. I don't think I don't think the Trailblazers is even going to trade him. Um, I think it's like a bunch. I still stand by that. I think that it's a bunch of you know noise in the wind right now. Right. Um, about because we always hear him being on the trade market, he wants to stay there. They just gave him that super max. They're going to try to build around him. It's just, just at Chauncey Phillips. So it'll be interesting. I think, I think that that's true. I think that that's going to be key adding some of those guys. So it, it'll be interesting. So now I'm going to hit you with a few of uh, the top free agents. I want to get your idea of uh, where you think they're going to go. I'll give you my idea too. Uh, some of the top six free agents that are available. So first up, Chris Paul. What do you think that CP3 is going to do this offseason? I think he is either going to do one of two things. The second one might surprise you. I think he's going to go back to the Suns, or he's going to take a veteran's minimum to go with one of the L.A. teams, quite frankly. Just because – and like we alluded to earlier, I think it's all about legacy for him at this point. You know, he's gotten a taste of the finals. He's recognizing that father time is catching up with him, unfortunately. He's had injury concerns late in the playoffs, like uh, what was it, with the Rockets in 2018. So. You know, for him, I think he's sitting back and wondering, I could be considered top four or I could be considered top three. And exactly. top, getting a ring puts him in the top three, in my opinion. I might even go so far as to put him there already. But, yeah. top, you know, a ring solidifies that without a doubt. So I 100%. think he's going to put himself in the best position to get a ring, which I think is either Phoenix because they're incredibly young, incredibly versatile. I think they have enough cap, cap flexibility where they maintain the majority of their core. So who knows? But – you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he just screw it, take a veteran's minimum to team up with his buddy LeBron for one last hurrah. I, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting one that nobody's really talking about. And I like that too, because you never really know. And I, I think, you know, he's apparently demanding that three-year deal. Um, I think that he's going to opt out of his contract. My prediction is that he goes back to the Suns on three years, 96. They give him like 32 a year um, just to make him happy, especially if he wins a championship this year right. too. They're going to give him something to make him stay the long the long course, probably try to end his career in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's going to be interesting. If he wins, I feel like if he wins a title this year, this is completely different. He 100% stays with Phoenix and stuff. But if he doesn't win the title this year, that's when those interesting scenarios come in, like how badly he wants that championship. If right. he's willing to go from demanding a three-year contract and probably being able to get 25 to $30 million to taking like a veteran minimum, in order to try to try to win that ring and make right. himself raise himself up that list. So then the next one, Kawhi Leonard. What do you think mm-hmm. Kawhi does? You know, quite frankly, I'm a little torn. I know that there's been a lot of rumblings that maybe he'll go to Miami. I could see that as a potential destination. I think he'd fit in really well with the culture, with Jimmy Butler and with Bam Adebayo. They would definitely be one of the best defensive teams in the league without a doubt. But, you know, the I – I also wouldn't be surprised if we went back to the Clippers, though, just because they have been awfully shady about his injury. You know, they said it's an ACL injury. There have been false. There were reports initially that he tore it. Then they came out and said, no, no, it's just a bad sprain. And now it's it's flip-flopping back and forth. And then it's been radio silence for about two weeks. So, you know, I think if you're injured, you're already under contract with a player option for upwards of 30 million. I think, you know, from from the business minor that I took in college, that's telling me, hey, go with this the safe money, you know, thirty mil, hundred percent, yeah. Plus, like, look, Paul George, I think was essentially trying out. 
this season, or at least this playoffs. Because, um, look, if he came out and was pandemic P again, I think Kawhi Leonard 100% walks even with the injury and goes to a Miami. You yeah. know, but the fact that Paul George was able to keep him in it, the fact that he actually looked pretty good, you know, I, I think and, – and I don't think Reggie Jackson stays, unfortunately. No. I don't think they can afford him. Um, but I think the fact that Paul George stepped up in that moment may have instilled some confidence in Kawhi Leonard that he was right in choosing his the the Robin to his Batman. Yeah, I like that a lot too. I think that that's kind of like the way he's going to go. He loves in L.A. too. He's from L.A. I feel like and there's not a shot he's going to go to the Lakers. Uh, right. We already – uh, cross that bridge back a couple of years ago. I think that I think he might opt out and then re up on a new three year contract with the Clippers. That's that's what my guess would be a new max contract, whatever that would be. We're probably around forty million, probably like three years, one hundred twenty, uh, mm-hmm. maybe with a player option again after the second after two years, then a player option. Right. Um, I I I don't see him leaving the Clippers either. You know, there's a lot of interesting scenarios. A lot of teams would have to free up a ton of money. You know, really the only team that, like, people think uh, could possibly be a possibility uh, that has the money available almost immediately is the Knicks. And I don't – and, you know, I would love that. But I think that that's very far-fetched. You know, the Mavericks um, – I saw a report the Mavericks could be big in on him, but they'd have to free up a ton of salary in order to sign him. And, right. You know, it's that's there would be an interesting situation. I don't really see him leaving the Clippers. And uh, w- as to your point, too, if his injury is bad, I could very well see him taking his uh, player option. Right. And that's the thing. Like, like you mentioned, the Knicks obviously have the cap space to sign him. I think they've made all the right culture moves. But again, Kawhi Leonard is approaching. If he's not already 30 years old, you know, he's, he's approaching 30. I want to say he's 31. I could be wrong, but you know, he's getting there. So. I'm not saying that, you know, father time is catching up with him, but, you know, he has had these nagging injuries. He's, he's been uh, prone to uh, load manage for the last couple of years. If I'm him, I'm in a certain, obviously to a lesser degree than the Chris Paul situation, but I'm, I'm trying to win a ring. Do the Knicks provide you with that opportunity in, you know, this upcoming season? I don't know. A couple of years, absolutely. When the young guys can develop a bit more, establish the culture more, but you know, I, I, I would love it. I just don't think it's realistic. You know, I, I completely agree. So next name, Kyle Lowry. This is going to be an interesting one. I really, I, I did a little bit of a, um, an odd choice. I took the Miami heat, gave him three, three years, 63 from the heat, make him uh, get around 20 mil a year. I'd say that they would let tragic and Oladipo walk if they were to do that. And they kind of try to re up to get Lowry as their main point guard uh, to add with, Kendrick Nunn, they love in that backcourt, and Tyler Hero potentially off the bench, and then obviously Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo um, and Duncan Robinson. But Duncan Robinson is also a free agent, so be interesting to see with that. But I Kyle Lowry to Heat is an interesting situation. Uh, Sixers are another possibility, but they probably have to move Ben Simmons, or they'd have to go all in on Ben Simmons becoming a power forward, and they'd have to shed some salary too. They'd have to dump some contracts in order to bring on Lowry. But they, what, what do you think? Um, you know, honestly, I think the Heat or the Sixers, like you mentioned, are are safe bets. You know, I think. I, I think he might fit better with the Heat, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if the Sixers try and make a push for it just to sort of, I mean, almost just take the light off of Ben Simmons. He's obviously been thrust into this negative light because of his inability to shoot from the free throw line and from, you know, really anywhere on the court. Uh, so there's a lot of negativity surrounding him. I think if you're going to try and bring him in, either you shed all the, the 
you know, role players like the Seth Curry's and, and Shake Milton's of the world, or you try and find some value for Tobias Harris, who, you know, obviously I don't, I don't think he panned out the way that they thought he would. I think when they went all in on him and Jimmy Butler, that that was really their best shot to win a ring. And then they obviously were, uh, you know, dropped in a, in a very soul crushing yeah. manner by Kawhi Leonard. So, um, you know, I think, I think the Sixers make the strongest push for him, but in terms of fit, I think he has the best fit on the heat. Cause again, he's, cause I mean, look, he's been super loyal to Toronto since he got traded there all those years yeah. ago. He won a ring there. He said numerous times he wants to end his career there, but I just think they're at a junction where, you know, they're moving on ready to rebuild, you know, with whether Siakam is the number one or not, you know, they have Van Vliet. He's, I think he's their point guard of the future. Yeah. You know, I think, I think if they really care about, <laughs> they really care about Kyle Lowry, they'll, you know, essentially set him, set him free and let him, let him carve out his own path and potentially win another ring. That's exactly it. And, you know, they also have um, the fourth pick too, and the possibility they can draft Jalen Suggs. So, you know, you'd have, you'd have Suggs and Van Vliet in that backcourt. That would be, you pretty know, filthy. it'd be pretty filthy for years to come. They'd be, they'd re-up right there. Uh, Raptors would be um, back in no time, I think, if they were able to do that. So he, him going back to the Raptors definitely is not mm-hmm. a high possibility. So then Mike Conley, that's a, this is an interesting one because um don't know how much the Jazz – are going to be interested in bringing him back. They got some young guards. They got Clarkson off the bench. Would they ever uh, slot him into trying to become the full-time point guard? I don't know. Or would they, you know, go after somebody different? My guess is three years, forty-five to the Knicks. Ooh. I think Mike Conley with maybe a player or a team option. Um, if they maybe if they strike out um, with some of the other point guards, if they. You know, draft a point guard they don't think is ready yet, and if they, uh, you know, can't get Chris Paul, if they don't make a Damian Lillard trade, maybe they do this, and this is uh, the kind of situation that they decide to go into. I feel like it's this. This is kind of like goes with the Reggie Jackson thing. It's like him or Reggie Jackson they could go after. Um, kind of same category, probably get the same right around the same amount of money. Reggie Jackson probably get around ten to fifteen from the Knicks if they were to give him the starting point guard role. But that that would be my prediction. That's and I, I like that just because I hadn't really thought of that. I think where he depends, where he goes, really and truly depends on what his asking price is. I could see yeah. him going to the Heat. I could see him staying in Utah. Uh, I hadn't thought about him going to the Knicks, but I kind of like that idea so long as it's yeah. a reasonable asking price. You know, I think he fits well in. Uh, in all of those situations, you know, I like him in Utah right now because he's sort of uh, much like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. He's he's sort of got that mentor-mentee relationship with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, but maybe the Jazz are looking to, to sort of shed that, like you alluded to. They have Clarkson, who's you know just an absolute stud scorer. Mitchell, I know he's a, a surprisingly good playmaker. So yeah. you know, it, it should be interesting. I think fit-wise, it's best on returning to the Jazz. Uh, but I would not mind him on the Knicks now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think that that could be a, a really interesting one to look at. And then last one, we got DeMar DeRozan. Very interesting one. My guess is I say he goes back home. He's from L.A. I say goes two years, 40 mil, and resigns with, and signs with the Lakers uh, to make a push. He becomes the third option. And in order to do that, I say they trade Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. Uh, they shed both of those contracts and they use it to bring in DeRozan. So you make a big three of LeBron, DeRozan, and AD. You have a third scoring option. Um, I think that there's a good possibility. And I could see 
DeRozan wanted to come home to. DeRozan really hasn't gotten to decide his fate before, and this offseason could be different because, you know, he was with the Raptors for all those years, one decided to re-up with them, and then was traded out of nowhere in part of the Kawhi Leonard trade and then was stuck in San Antonio uh, for a couple of seasons. So he hasn't really ever gotten to decide where he wants to go. So this offseason is going to be different. I think mm-hmm. he's going to test the entire market. Uh, you know, th- there's some rumors that he might want to come back to the Spurs. It'd be interesting. Looks like we have some tef- technical difficulties. Um, you know, quite frankly, it looks like they're looking to move on from Kuzma. You know, he just hasn't really panned out the way they wanted him to. You know, they left him out of a lot of trade packages along with the guy, Taylor Horton Tucker, so that, you know, they could potentially develop and keep him, but he has not developed the way that they wanted him to. So if they moved on from him in, in, you know, in exchange for a DeMar DeRozan type, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but in the same vein, like you said, he's willing to, you know, essentially talk to anyone, you know, test the, test the waters. He's never really done that before. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he just, you know, I don't know. Legacy doesn't seem super important to him. The Spurs never really did much. He didn't make much of a fuss about you know, not making it far with the Spurs. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if he just goes wherever they throw him a ton of money. And I have, for whatever reason, I feel like the magic are going to throw him. <laughs> Honestly, I can see that. I can really see that. Right. And like, look, they'll be like, Hey, you know, we've got a really good young team or maybe not a really good young team, but we've got a lot of good pieces or a lot of young pieces. We have, yeah. you know, Jonathan Isaacs who, you know, whenever he does come back from his injury, he was killing it before he, he got injured. You have Fultz who's really turning the corner now in Orlando. You know, they got rid of Vucevic. And there's sort of a, a void that needs to be filled, for lack of a better expression. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, "Here, take this money. You know, score a bunch of points, pad your stats. You know, you'll be a valuable trade chip at some point in the future that we could package with, you know, a pick or something. And you could send a, send you off to wherever you want. And if that doesn't work out, hey, we'll buy you out. You'll still make your money. You could sign wherever you want on a veteran's minimum. Honestly, I like that. Like you really never know with DeRozan too. Right. It could go many different ways. Uh, so it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens this off season, especially for him. Well, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the review and preview network to watch another episode of the three and D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the three and D John, my brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything else you want to add? No, oh, man. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, uh, I know this is the season finale, but hopefully there will be an opportunity next season for me to come back on. It's been a, a real pleasure of mine. Thank you for yeah. having me. Of course. There 100% will be. We'll figure it out once October comes around. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates, YouTube videos, and brand new episodes coming this October. Have a great night, everyone, and enjoy the rest of the finals and the offseason.